Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Meta Portal podcast. I'm AG, the host, and uh, as always, Dark Forest Capital is uh, joining me on on this adventure. And uh, today we also have a guest, as as we tend to. It's uh, Cyber. He is an AI and machine learning researcher, and also one of the uh, contributors of. Uh, Animatus, which is a AI generative uh, PFB avatar project with with like a great roadmap and and future plans. So we are we're excited to talk to him about Animatus as well as NFTs, AI, machine learning, how all of those areas overlap. Cyber, thanks for joining us, man. How how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me uh, to talk on your podcast. And yeah, great day, sunny day here. So yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I was uh, saying before we jumped, before we started recording, that Dark Forest and myself sort of came into crypto through the DeFi landscape, right? And then we sort of started contributing to a DAO, and then we launched the the Metaverse Index, and that was like our transition into the Metaverse, which has mostly been about like ownership economy, gaming, play to earn, and things like that. And, and now, as we've become quite engaged in that space, we are starting to explore NFTs a little bit more. And, and I was saying that like Animatus was actually the first um, NFT project that that I invested in. And uh, yeah, so that's that's how this uh, podcast came, came about. It's actually our first podcast when we talked to someone from like, one of the NFP, NFT PFP uh, projects. So great to have you. Why don't we start with just like, uh, you know, a quick background. You can give us a bit of a sense of how, how you got into, into, this, uh, into the space and yeah, your background before crypto. Okay, so basically my education is uh, an electrical engineer. And I have a PhD in machine learning and uh, computer vision. These are my fields of uh, expertise. I, I fell in love with uh, image processing and computer vision a few years back. And since, that, since then, like, uh, I've been doing a lot of, like, besides my uh, uh, work as a researcher in a university as a, and as an algorithm developer, in a startup company, I also do a lot of uh, AI-generated art as a hobby because um, I believe that uh, it's really cool to see like what the computer is doing when it's making art using uh, generative uh, adversarial networks, uh, which I'll talk about uh, later. And that's like basically what I was doing and still do before before I got into crypto. Now, full disclosure, I wasn't big on crypto before NFTs. I just didn't find it that appealing. Now I do, but uh, before I found out about the NFTs, it wasn't uh, that appealing to me. And how I got into NFTs, so one of my uh, best friends, uh, Ralph, which is uh, currently the product manager uh, of Animatas. Introduced me in February, 2021 to NBA Top Shot. And my first question, like a lot of others were, was uh, why should I buy a clip that I can watch on YouTube or anywhere else? Like, how do I own it? And then like I researched about it and I found out about tokens and NFTs, et cetera. And like the, the concept of smart contracts, which I was familiar with, but I didn't find like very good use cases for it because not because the, the use cases were not good. I didn't find them very interesting. And, and like NFTs clicked with me because, well, I come from a family of uh, of like huge collectors. Uh, my father like has uh, the one of the biggest uh, Starbucks gift cards uh, collections in the world, and my my wife's grandfather like has a huge uh, stamps collection and a huge uh, 
uh, coins collection, etc. So I know like what what collection collectibles are all about, um, and I had like a few uh, collections of my uh, of my own, uh, like uh, NBA trading cards, etc. So uh, once I figured like how you own an an NFT and and like the, the, this feeling of ownership, specifically after I bought my first uh, NBA Top Shot moment, that you feel like okay, I own one of those uh, 1K uh, copies of this uh, of this and that moment. And I just got hooked and, you know, like uh, like many of us, I uh, fell down the rabbit hole and I just like thought about how um, I can get more into NFTs. And one of my first ideas was um, to take my hobby, the um, AI-generated uh, art, and try to make like NFTs using it. So the first... The first series of uh, NFTs that I that I made um, is Pancasos, which is like a, a neural style transfer algor- algorithm that I that I developed um, and, and like implemented on, uh, which shows you like the punk in a very cool way, and like it went really well. I mean, I think that I and it got me like in great connections with uh, a lot of punk owners in the uh, community. And in, at that time, and still today, punk owners uh, were people that uh, were really big into, into NFTs and knew a lot about them. So I learned a lot from, this, uh, from the conversations I had with those anons. Uh, and, and afterwards, I, I thought to myself, well, I mean, Good artists, like artists that I appreciate and love their art, should know about this this NFT uh, uh, concept because it's really cool and it changes a lot of, of uh, the ways artists monetize uh, their uh, their uh, art. And the first one uh, that uh, like uh, I thought I thought about was uh, Pixel Gustavo. So it's a it's a, it's a bit of a funny story because. When I start, uh, like when I started working in my uh, in the company I work for uh, at the moment, uh, a few years ago, I I went to make coffee with a with a colleague, and his mug has had uh, this uh, cool pixel art uh, print of uh, the scene where Jon Snow uh, fights, uh, uh, you know, like the. Uh, the, the dead walkers uh, on this uh, iceberg uh, beyond the wall uh, from Game of, Game of Thrones, uh, of course. And and it looked like, wow, who does that cool art with this uh, style and nostalgic vibes? And he told me, oh, it's an artist called Pixel Gustavo. And and like, I, I started following uh, the pieces that, uh, that he made and I loved, I loved like how it takes all a lot of my favorite uh, stuff like pixel art and uh, you know like uh, 90s uh, and 80s uh, pop culture like giving it those nostalgic vibes of you know like uh, early 90s uh, video games and making it all into a very cool uh, piece and and like once once i i found out about nfts it was like obvious that i will reach out to gustavo and I did, and I was like, uh, I introduced myself, told him about NFTs, and told him about like uh, the potential. And he told me, okay, let's uh, let's try that. Um, at first, we he made a few uh, uh, pieces uh, of a series called uh, Days with Dad, uh, which is pieces uh, of of like short uh, animations of uh, him as a child and uh, his father, like taking him to uh, one of uh, the craters in Israel and uh, taking him to see snow uh, and taking him to the beach, etc. cetera, um, which was very like nostalgic and like, you know, like it gives you the, it gives you goosebumps uh, like to try and remember like how you were a child and how your dad took you uh, to all those uh, things. And, and afterwards we said, okay, so we, we want to build 
like you said, you refer to Animeras as a PFP project, and it is right. But but it's also uh, a lot more than that because once we started working about uh, on it, we decided that we want to make uh, an entire universe, the Animetaverse, around that, and and that was very appealing because I mean, in our point of view, from our point of view, um, the content the, the, the content that we want to create. Is like basically uh, telling stories and and making like a, a very rich universe and a culture around the um, around the animators because I mean both Gustavo and I and Ralph and uh, a few people that we uh, onboarded uh, uh, to the team uh, re very recently are very into like uh, grew up on the on uh, Marvel, on the Marvel franchises, and Star Wars, and Disney, etc., and and like we believe that if NFTs um, are very special in the sense that we can make a world that has a mechanism of decentralized uh, content creation where people own um, the non-exclusive. IP for their uh, pieces, and that's something that um, you know. It's it's like it's not something that you'd see that you'd see uh, from coming from I don't know Disney or Marvel, etc. And and that's that's something really cool because I mean think about a project uh, that creates a universe where the community, the owners of uh, of the pieces in the project, uh, a lot to say about the direction it's going. Uh, what's better and what's uh, not, and you know, like a lot of uh, there is a lot of wisdom in our community regarding that, and a lot of initiatives of people trying to make like um, comic books and 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 fiction books and and uh, short animations, etc. And it's really, I mean, it's really uh, and and very cool fan art, and it's really cool to see like that when you give people, you know, like a blank sheet and a few uh, uh, guidelines then they can make like the, the most amazing stuff because i mean a lot of a lot of a lot of times uh, when you think about like the marvel cinematic universe or disney or star wars then what what fans did not like about uh, um, star wars episodes uh, 789 uh, that came out in the last few years is that Disney that bought the franchise uh, decided to change a lot of things that were like canon uh, in the in the previous uh, uh, trilogies, and and I think like fans not having a lot of say in what happens in this universe that they grew up on and and like know know by heart is is pretty annoying. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty like uh, it makes you feel like okay that's like someone takes. My beloved, my beloved franchise, and and just changes it because they bought the rights and because they want to. And in the case of Animatas, so the decentralization of, of content is very cool because people can take the world wherever they want and and you know like like uh, play with it and create a cool background, a uh, cool uh, playground um, where where people where people like can take this, their stories and other people like really love their, those stories and follow them. Um, and they can create uh, marriage around those uh, storylines and, and you know, like any, any type of content that they want. And like, I believe that more than it's a, more than it is a, a PFP project, Animetas is um, basically a playground for, for adults that love like, getting their inner child's uh, out to play. Yeah, okay. That's that's really cool. There was there's a lot of a lot of really interesting things that you said. I think I looked at uh Pancasos while you were talking and uh yeah, some of these are pretty cool in, in terms of the the visual and it, it's interesting that they're AI generated. So I think there's a lot like we can talk about um, in terms of Animatus and, and the vision and mm -hmm. roadmap. But before we get into that, like I'd really like to understand like how AI generated art works and, and how is it different from 
for example, art blocks, generative art, right? Um, mm -hmm. So we'd love your thoughts on that. Okay, so basically when you look at uh, like traditional generative art, then it's basically taking like a very small numbers, number of, uh, of degrees of uh, freedom. For example, like if you take animatas, then animatas is a, is a traditional uh, type of uh, generative art because you have like all the layers and each layer has a set number of, uh, of traits. Uh, for example, you know, like clothes and hair type and, um, and uh, body type, uh, etc. And what you do is that you basically just randomize um, which uh, combinations of combination of layers you'll get for each piece. And all you have to do, like if you want to make them unique, uh, is to check that the one you know, like you you randomized, uh, doesn't exist already in the in the database. That's like traditional generative art. Um, now, now Artbox took this same uh, uh, method to the to the next level, which which means like like in Animatas, then we created the the ten thousand and one hundred and one pieces locally. Right, and then uh, we uploaded them to a decentralized server, and from that moment on, that's like uh, the, the the project and how it looks, and 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 basically, um, all of it was generated like beforehand, like a lot of other uh, projects. Um, what our blocks did is that they took the generation and added it to the contract, meaning that. They do like they do the same. I mean, they they take a couple of of you know like um, building blocks, which is like the uh, like in our case it's layered, but their their case it could be like uh, features of the the shapes that you'll get in the in the image. For example, like in chromy squiggles, then it could be like uh, which colors you'll get, uh, the width, uh, the type of the of the like the the. Uh, points that you'll get, uh, how fuzzy they are, they are, et cetera. And, and like one of the more uh, interesting things about that and what they did differently from other uh, generative uh, art uh, projects is that they use the minting transaction uh, hash as the trigger for the randomization of the piece, meaning it happens like in real time. It, it, it triggers... A script that is in the contract that creates the the parameters for for the art generation like in real time and and that's still traditional generative art only in real time now the next level is which is ai generated uh, art is that you um, create a neural network that has like probably a few billions uh, of uh, degrees of freedom like for example, like in art blocks, so at max it's a few, I don't know, dozens. But like in, in a in a neural net, it's uh, it's uh, really a few millions or billions. Uh, uh, depends on the size of the of the net. And this net, um, well, it knows to create art by by seeing like other pieces, like training on other pieces. Are you are, are you familiar with uh, generative uh, adversarial networks or guns? Uh, no, no, why don't why don't you assume no no prior knowledge on our part? Okay, so so generative uh, adversarial networks are basically the way people today create many like various types of art using uh, neural networks, and the way it works is that is the following. So it is an algorithm, and I won't go into details, but but it's it's an algorithm that um, has two components. It's the generator and the discriminator, right? And like the generator, it gets it gets basically random noise or or some kind of a premise, and it tries to generate a piece of art, and it, it doesn't even know what it what it generated. And this piece goes into a discriminator, and the discriminator it has like two options: it could get a piece from a, a data set, like of for example. Uh, abstract art made by humans, and and it and it could get a piece from the generator, and it has to decide what's real and what's fake. Now, 
the the generator um, has this optimizer and loss function that allow it to to make um, better pieces that will fool the discriminator and it, and it gets better as as, uh, as time goes without even seeing the, the images in the data set only from the uh, feedback uh, from the discriminator and the discriminator the discriminator it has like uh, the job of, of telling like uh, telling that the generators uh, it gets a lot of score if it tells that the generator's art is fake and and the, and the data set's art is uh, is real um, and it has to get better at that, at that job. And if you if you um, if you think about it, it's like a cat and mouse. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, it's trying to get uh, better at their job. And it's it's a bit like uh, the best example, the best analogy would be uh, like uh, counterfeit uh, money, um, where you know, like the, the criminals try to make the money um, look more uh, legit and the. Uh, you know, the feds uh, try to um, see how they uh, uh, made the, the money better, uh, like the criminals made the money better and like change it, like to add, uh, I don't know, holograms or whatever. So th that's the way it works. And finally, after you train it uh, for enough time, you get an, a network that actually generates like Picasso uh, style uh, art uh, without even without ever seeing like a Picasso at all, so that's that's like that's like the 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 type of uh, that's that's what uh, AI gener generated art is. And if you look at Picasso specifically, so that's something called a neural style transfer network, where it gets a, an image like a, a known image as an input, and a style image is is the other input. Um, and it just makes the the initial input in the style of the of the of the style image uh, input, and and that's what you see in Pancasos, which is uh, very psychedelic at times and very cool, and and like that's that's really the next level because for example, think about it that if our blocks took like uh, uh, the real time generative uh, concept, which is very cool, and and just triggered. A neural network instead of a, of a JavaScript code for creating the image, then you'd get like pieces that are like that can match pieces by the greatest artists in history, and that's all by a computer that never that has never seen uh, any pieces of art at all. Okay, that's that's fascinating. Uh, so, couple of questions like to clarify, right? Is there a way to do AI generation on chain, right? Because so far, my understanding is AI generation has to happen off chain due to data requirements um, and processing. So that's, that's like one question. And um, yeah, and I forgot what the second question was, but if, if you can answer uh, the first one and I'll uh, I'll remember the what, what else I want to ask. Okay, no problem. So if, if we're talking about AI uh, generated art on chain, then like neural networks are are like enormous in 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 size and uh, you can't uh, you can't upload them uh, on chain unless you you want to pay like billions of dollars but you can't find a workaround where you can uh, i mean what's important like what's important to people about stuff being on chain right so if if we closely look look at it People want to know that in in any time from now until uh, the end of uh, of the universe, they can take their input and check that the output they get from the algorithm that created the the image would still be verifiable, right? And and what what you can do is that there are a lot of services today um, that allow you to implement neural networks on a decentralized chain. That is like something like, like uh, you know, like how miners use uh, GPUs for mining uh, crypto, then they only will use it now for, for running uh, neural networks. Um, and then you can just trigger those networks in a decentralized uh, manner 
to create the image using the mean transaction uh, hash. And once you do that, then you can verify it um, on chain, let's say, uh, from now to eternity. Okay. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. And so the second question I had was around like, what does it take to build to build this neural network, right? Like, what? Like, how is like how easy is that process, right? Or how hard it is? Or what what are the the requirements? Can anyone do it? Uh, maybe you can give us a bit of a sense around that. Okay, so. I mean, when I started using neural networks, it was pretty hard to, uh, for, uh, for an average Joe to uh, um, train a neural network. But today, as technology gets more uh, gets simpler in that sense, uh, you have a lot of frameworks. Uh, for example, like uh, the uh, Keras uh, uh, API, which is uh, an API build over uh, TensorFlow, which is uh, one of like the most uh, known uh, frameworks for uh, for neural networks, and it it can it can be as easy as you know like writing a, a Python script um, to train a neural network. All you need is data and a GPU on your computer or on a server, uh, you know, like on AWS or or Google, and and then you can just like there are a lot of examples in GitHub and uh, and a lot of uh, other uh, places and tutorials uh, that you can easily train a gun network. Um, and I think like if you if you know how to code, um, I think like within a month you can get to a level where you can train like build and train a neural network. Okay. This is fascinating. I think for, I don't know, Dark Forest, how you feel, but for me with like a financial background, this is all, this all sounds really interesting and, and, and kind of crazy. So let's, uh, Cyber, let's uh, shift a little bit to sort of animatus and now like apply what you've been talking about in terms of AI generated art to to animatus, maybe you can give us a bit of a yeah, a bit of background of what you guys use to train the neural network uh, to generate animatus. Okay, so, so as I said before, um, animatus is not AI generated. It's it's just like a traditionally generated uh, art. So in that sense, I mean, we basically uh, created a. Uh, Python script that randomizes um, the the traits in every layer and gets you like the complete like I built a script that takes the layers that uh, uh, Gustavo uh, uh, made and and randomizes like a vector that takes a number of each trait in each layer and then like builds the final animata image by image you know like he takes the background and then adds the body on it and then the clothes and then the eyes and then the mouth and then the hair and then the, all the accessories. So yeah, that's that's like how we did the animators. Uh, but currently we're uh, working on like a, a new type of R blocks, which will be AI generated. And that's like what I was talking about before when I explained about uh, the difference between not, like traditional generated art and AI generated art. Cool. Uh, okay. so. Animatos were basically a, a traditional sort of generative art uh, yeah. project. Okay, and uh, all right. So let's talk about like the roadmap and 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 what the team is uh, currently working on, and and kind of what yeah the timing and timelines and and when you expect to roll out certain things. Okay, cool. So so basically, when you look at our uh, roadmap, I don't have it open, but. Uh, we're planning in the, in the remainder uh, of uh, Q1 uh, of 2021 to, so we're planning uh, to, to release uh, tokens, which will be um, like the tokens that you can use in our universe to play games, to, um, to uh, attend events, etc. But like the flagship of what we're doing in the following months uh, will be the overpowers uh, release where each animator owner will get 
a hover car uh, that is tailor-made for their animata. Uh, for example, like police, uh, policemen and women uh, will get a police car. Punks will get probably a hover bike. Aliens will get spaceships, etc. And not and those hover cars, except for being totally amazing, uh, I saw a few of. Uh, uh, Gustavo's uh, sneak peeks. Uh, he haven't. He hasn't uh, uh, released them uh, yet, but uh, but he will, and they are amazing. Um, so we're planning like to give extra features in the metadata uh, for an upcoming uh, uh, racing game and for an upcoming uh, uh, shooter game with the uh, hover cars. And what we're planning is that some of the cars. Uh, we're gonna randomize the uh, the rarity of of like the you know like the speed of the cars and there's uh, there are other strengths etc. And it's going to be like very very cool. So like if you if, if you uh, get what I'm saying, then um, the overcars will will take us to the gaming ecosystem, which will have a lot of like arcade games, uh, shooters, uh, pinball, um, etc. And and that's something that we're really excited about because we believe that our approach toward uh, gaming in NFTs will like change the world of uh, of gaming. And it sounds like um, all of these extensions and, and parts of the roadmap are all contained within the animators uh, ecosystem. Have you thought anything about interoperability? Maybe um, bringing these avatars into other virtual worlds? Has that, has that crossed your mind yet? So basically uh, what I love about, uh, about NFTs is that they're individual. I mean, they're individual assets that do not depend on anything besides the contract that they were created uh, from uh, or by. And, and what I love about that is that, let's say for example, I want to um, airdrop uh, hover cars, not only for animators, but also for uh, board apes, right? So I can't do that because board apes, like when they release the contract, I can query um, who owns board apes at any moment and take a snapshot and, and by that, like airdrop anything I want to um, to their owners, um, and that's cool in the terms of uh, interoperability. Because think about something like that, and that's something that we do plan for our uh, gaming ecosystem. So um, let me give you a cool example uh, that I thought about uh, like a few months back, and since then we started developing like our ecosystem towards uh, implementing something like that. So let's say you play our, with your animata or in our D&D adventures, right? And you uh, walk and walk and walk and suddenly you, uh, you encounter a, a monster and you kill it and you take its, uh, its loot and, uh, and you find a really rare sword. Now, if, if it was normal uh, D&D, then you'd have the sword and once the adventure... Uh, uh, is over, then it's no it's no longer like an asset that you have. You had it only um, in the adventure. But in our case, some of the assets will be NFTs. So, like for example, if you find a sword, then that's your weapon, and you get it into your wallet as an NFT. And from that moment on, this sword can be used as a weapon in a player versus player uh, game that we're planning on our ecosystem, uh, etc. And 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 also you can sell it on secondary and it comes from a contract where those weapons like have different rarities and scarcities, etc. And and that's something that like everyone can use because once we minted this sword NFT, then if for example um cool cats uh, or Galaxy Fight Club also uh, make a player versus player game, then they can use this sword as a weapon in their game. And that's very cool, and in my opinion, and I believe that it also takes us to um, a lot of use cases of uh, renting uh, and lending, etc. Okay, so it sounds to me a little bit more like the um, engine ecosystem, if you're aware of what engine uh, are doing, where 
they have interoperability, but it's only within their own ecosystem. Um, so they have a number of different games. And if you achieve challenges or items in one game, then some of those are portable into the other games. Is that how you're kind of setting it up? Yeah. Yeah. Only do, do they do that in, in NFTs? I don't know if they do. Yeah. Yeah. They use, I mean, I think engine for the creators of the 1155, ERC 1155. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, really? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. so, so it's something like uh, like that. Um, only I believe like um, we have a few uh, additions to uh, to where we're taking uh, gaming. Where we're also uh, uh, making a decentralized uh, scoreboard for each asset for each animata, where you play games and get scores, and they are minted on the blockchain as a in a scoreboard on scoreboard, and. That's what I call a dynamic uh, rarity uh, because it makes your uh, character, your animata more valuable uh, if you play games in our ecosystem more and get uh, higher scores because that will allow you to open, you know, like uh, new adventures and, you know, like uh, uh, freemium experiences, etc. And that will also be another use case for uh, rentals because like, let's, let's say, for example, that uh, you invested a lot of time playing a specific game and you're like unlocked a specific uh, quest or adventure or something like that. And I'm lazy and I don't like uh, working hard for, uh, for those games, but I do like playing them. And I really, really want to play this uh, specific uh, uh, quest that was unlocked for you. Then you can rent your animator to me and I can use it to play that specific game. And that makes this animator, uh, you know, like uh, uh, an asset that works for you once you've worked to get uh, enough scores. Yeah, that's something that we've seen um, recently from Decentral Games. They brought out like a, a play-to-earn ecosystem built around um, a poker game, uh, and they, you know, developed a whole set of token economics around that. Um, and I know that AG has been telling me a lot about animators. He's very excited about the uh, the rental ability. So yeah, I'm sure he'll be happy about that. Um, is there is there anything else that you're sort of including along those lines? Is it you're just thinking about it in that way where, you know, people are going to be basically upskilling their characters and then uh, renting them out? Or are there any other like play to earn elements that you've included? So uh, like in terms of renting, do you mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you tell me, I'm, I'm not familiar with the, with the roadmap at the moment. So um, oh, okay. okay, so I think, I think it's not just renting, it's more like outside of renting, right? Are there any other like play to earn mechanics that, that you're thinking about that you're developing where players can uh, come into your uh, ecosystem, right? And uh, generate some level of income by playing games or doing different activities within within the universe. So, so we're planning um, a few things. So basically like getting NFTs from playing the games, for example, weapons, et cetera. It's one type of, uh, of way to uh, get uh, quote unquote uh, income. And I think like uh, besides that, we're planning uh, to work on, uh, to, to release any tokens uh, very soon, which will be also uh, something you can earn when you play our games. Uh, and use it like to buy um, accessories, to buy new weapons, um, etc. Yeah, uh, cool. So let's talk about like the the token, not in terms of like you know it's it's financial value or or, or or things like that, but more like what is the purpose of the token in the ecosystem, and also where like where are you building? the games, right? Like, are they going to be on, on Polygon? Are they going to be like off chain? And then if the token is going to be sort of required as like gas or in, in any other way? Okay, so basically uh, what we're planning to do is that um, we're, we're, we're re we really want to, um, to do stuff in Polygon because we believe that if an NFT um, is meant to be like disposable, like you can use it and burn it for um, a specific experience, et cetera, then it's better not to do it uh, on Ethereum because of gas prices, uh, as you know. 
but like our main assets, animeras, uh, the hover cars, um, etc., uh, are going to be still on Ethereum because we believe that like the main assets of our project should be on a traditional, like a well-known um, net uh, blockchain. And like what we believe is that we want, for example, any tokens. Um, and the scoreboard, et cetera, to be on Polygon because they are really cheap on gas and they can allow a more convenient ecosystem for, for people. So, for example, like the games them, themselves, so the scoreboard will be, um, you know, like uh, on-chain in some in some sense and, and the tokens could be burnable um, for, like you can burn them to play, to play the games and you can earn them uh, within the games. And that's something that like will um, be a huge part of the eco- ecosystem because we do want people to to use their skills um, if it means you know like uh, playing the games, solving uh, puzzles, um, etc. To earn any tokens that will allow them to get other stuff in our eco- ecosystem. Um, so it could be like early mint passes for uh, for drops. It could be buying uh, um, accessories for free. It could be a lot of stuff. And in that sense, it's really similar to any gaming ecosystem like that we know. Yeah, yeah, okay. That that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk about like the, the rental market, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a really interesting use case. Um, and, and also like, I think there is most like a lot of games, right? A lot of NFT games right now have uh, a marketplace, right? So they have built out a marketplace where people can sell the items or sell the, the characters or, you know, emojis and, and things like that, skins. So that's sort of uh, ported, right, from the traditional uh, gaming space. Um, yeah. But I think it, the, the rental aspect is really interesting because for example, you can talk about Axie, right? Like with Axie, you need three Axies to play. And at the moment, like the the entry cost is like 500 bucks if you want to buy those Axies and, and play the game. And so that's where the scholarship model developed. But if players could go and actually rent those Axies to try the game and start earning, that would be... I would say it would be a simplification of the rent uh, of, of the scholarship model. So... Talk a little bit about kind of your approach to rentals, like how from the uh, technology perspective, like how how you guys approached it, and then I guess the vision for for both like marketplace and the rental place and how they how they will interact in the in the ecosystem. Okay, so so in my opinion, like rentals are a huge uh, pillar uh, for the NFT market uh, because because mainly um, I think that it could revolutionize how we look at, uh, at NFTs. So for example, like we're talking about uh, gaming, but think about like what we did with uh, the AMA uh, uh, last Saturday with uh, John Romero, the guy that uh, made uh, Doom and uh, Commander Keen and, uh, and uh, Dangerous Dave, etc., and all the uh, cool games that uh, I at least used to play as a child. Uh, growing up in the 90s. So this was the first time, I think, that any community has made a gated content event that only if you own or rent an Animeta or an Animonkey, um, you can you can attend. And that's something really cool. And uh, some people really did uh, rent it to, um, to be on, to, to take part in the event. And like, since... Uh, COVID uh, uh, came into our lives, then a lot of events are virtual and you know, like uh, on Zoom and uh, and on Discord, etc. But what's cool about that is that um, with NFTs you can use this. The, you can use you can use NFTs. You can use the tokens as tickets. And once, for example, I own. A specific asset, then I become part of an exclusive club that gets, for example, like uh, sneak peeks, uh, as gated, gated content, uh, lectures. Um, I don't know, like uh, a lot of uh, VR experiences in the metaverse, etc. And if 
I have like more than one asset or I don't care about a specific event, then I can use it and rent it to someone and and make money off of that. And and that's one use case that I really I really like. The other one when we talk about gaming is that I think there there are two use cases here because think about something like that. Like if I own an animeta, um, I can rent it like like to introduce some someone uh, uh, to a game or or, uh, or or to any experience. But I can think of something that is cooler than that because for example so as you probably know animatas because gustavo is uh, is crazy um and, and a huge perfectionist then um we have over four thousand different traits and that means that generally animatas is a subset of ten thousand one hundred and one pieces out of i don't know a possible uh, probably a, a few a few millions at least and what I was thinking about is like, if I want to um, allow people to, you know, like uh, get familiar with our ecosystem, then we can make burner characters that are not part of the of the set and have like this specific uh, identifier that they're from a different contract, and they they will be on Polygon, and we're starting to develop a contract where. We, we haven't decided if we should use it or not, but that Animeta's owners can create those those burner characters um, and rent them to people and those for like a term of, uh, I don't know, like 72 hours. And the moment those 72 hours are over, then the token is automatically burned and they can't play in our ecosystem anymore. So that's that's a kind of, of, of a model where our community can make profits off renting uh, because they're the only ones that are uh, allowed to uh, make those burner temporary animatas um, that are okay to play in this ecosystem. And those animatas can be part of the ecosystem for, like, as I said, 72 hours or a week or whatever. And that's something that will that can get people into the project uh, without paying the huge amount of money that uh, an animator costs. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you also talked about like gating in-game content, right? Like whether whether it's uh, levels or access to specific games <clears throat> and and so on. From like the the uh, technology perspective, uh, you guys partnered with uh, someone to enable this renting feature, right? Yeah. And uh, as far as I know, right, that the rental contract uh, or the, the rental functionality is on Ethereum at the moment, which is uh, pretty expensive if, yeah. with, with the transaction. Is there, is like, is your partner looking to port that to, to Polygon or is it going to kind of stay on Ethereum for now? Well, so... Um, our partner is uh, RenFT, which made a really cool contract um, that allows people to um, rent their assets without them leaving, uh, like changing wallets because they're like bound to the contract that uh, the rent contract. And the other, like the renter gets uh, a token that says, okay, for the term of, of, of rent, uh, you will... Uh, uh, be like as equal as a as a as a holder, and and I don't know if, if they're about to to migrate to Polygon. I hope they do. Uh, I haven't asked them about that, but but uh, I do believe that they did a lot of work to make um, gas as cheap as possible in this contract, and it's not enough. I saw that people are still um, saying that when gas is high. Uh, then, then like lending fees are also high, and sometimes like it doesn't, it just doesn't pay pay off. But I think we're really early, so so once you know there there will be a stable bridge be, be between uh, Ethereum and Polygon, then probably they will migrate to Polygon because that's like the uh, smartest thing to do. That the rental token will be on Polygon. Yeah, yeah, that 
That makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's either, you know, like Polygon or Rollups, right? But hopefully we get to some some future where scaling solutions really solve the, the gas cost problem uh, yeah. in the next, you know, 12 months or, or how long it might take. In terms of like content, right, for for the ecosystem, how how are you thinking regarding like the user generated content? Like, are you gonna you plan on allowing the community to create additional experiences or games within the ecosystem, or is it more like the, the roadmap is is mostly centralized at this point where you guys are designing? And, and sort of putting your vision in, in place and then potentially enabling user-generated content down the line? So basically, um, we do feel that, um, as I said, we believe in the, the decentralization of uh, content creation. And that's something that we talked about a lot of times with our community. Um, we do see that every community you know, like, like the project was our idea and like I know um, how I want uh, the Animetaverse to, to look like and to feel like, but I do believe that there are a lot of people in the community that um, like uh, vibe on the same uh, frequency as us. Uh, and and I think that all they need is, is uh, is you know like a, a couple of guidelines, so they won't have to invent the entire universe or their entire storyline uh, by themselves. But other than that, I mean, it's it's almost like a really, as I as I said earlier, like a blank uh, sheet of paper, because because people that's what people need. I mean, people need guidelines, and then like they have the non-exclusive. Uh, um, IP for using it for any purpose they want. I mean, there are people that are um, th this uh, one uh, guy in our Discord that is writing a book and he already has like 200 pages th about the origin of the blockchain zombies and that's really cool fan art and maybe it will become a canon even. Um, there's another guy that uh, made a crossover uh, uh, comic uh, strip uh, with his project, and a lot of this, stu this stuff is really cool because, I mean, think think about something like that. Because the decentralization of content creation is 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 something that art in general has not experienced like ever. So let me give you an example. And sorry if I'm uh, talking too much, but but uh, it just came up to my mind. So think about it, like Gustavo, uh, when we started working on Animetas, he created a few thousands of traits, but he has never seen uh, a complete Animeta, um, or at least a bunch of them, until I generated them uh, using my script. Now think about it, like he's the artist b behind the project, right? And he didn't even know how, like until, I don't know, a week before we were released or something like that, he didn't even know how the, the characters look like. And he was so surprised by, by some of the combinations that he, he, he couldn't even think about like uh, something this creative. So, so it's, it's a really um, innovative uh, type of, of art when you don't know what, you, what you'll get. And that's like, that's decentralization of content in my opinion, because people in our community are creating art that we couldn't even believe or think about when we started making the project. And, and you know, if you look at that, uh, at the fan art, at the, at the like, I, I, was, I started reading uh, the book about the uh, origin of, uh, of the blockchain zombies, and, and it's like, wow, where do people come up with those ideas? And, and, and I believe, like, if people came up with such cool ideas, they should get paid for them. And we support it totally, like uh, commercialization of and monetization of their content. And we give them like uh, really our full support. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really cool. I think like the one of the awesome things about NFT games um, and and blockchain in general is that like ability to have anyone build on top of what you're building, right? And and create additional assets and additional experiences. 
talking about like NFTs, right? And as as a technology and also AI and like machine learning, how like where do you think there is overlap between those areas of tech? And how do you see that sort of playing out in in the future with like, I don't know, AI generated, fully AI generated and like autonomous NFTs or intelligent NFTs, which is something Alethea is working on. Yeah, how do you see that playing out? So I find it uh, really uh, interesting because I think both technologies are really cutting edge. And I think like both are changing um, the way we we think about uh, computers and what they can do without us intervening. And if you think about it, like the moment someone could get a truly decentralized neural network of some of any sort to work on the blockchain, then you could get stuff like, for example, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like a Babel fish uh, from uh, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where people could, I don't know, send a token with a sentence um, that will go through a neural network that will translate it to a lot of other languages. And, you know, you, you, you won't need even to uh, learn uh, second languages at all. Um, and I think like that's that's something that's really cool about about the part where where decentralization intersects with AI because if you think about it, like all of the horror stories about AI might come true in that sense because like it, it will have all the info on the blockchain to try to to experiment with. Um, and it won't even need us because we, it won't need us to trigger the algorithm because it will already be on the blockchain. Um, and that's something that, that's really scary to think about, but, but also has a lot of opportunities for algorithms to learn on their own in an unsupervised manner. And I think we will see a lot of uh, cool findings uh, and breakthroughs in that uh, direction. It's, uh, I was just thinking in terms of, you know, how you have quite a lot of like bots in, in crypto in DeFi that, for example, be arbitrage bots, right? They take advantage yeah. of price differences and, uh, like there are bots that try to arbitrage between decentralized exchanges and centralized exchanges or so between different chains and, and so on. And so I was thinking that if you can put like, uh, an AI, on blockchain and train it on different like investment and price patterns and let it like learn from the trading behavior on the blockchain, right? And yeah. task it was like basically generating profits. It's um, it, it should be like unbeatable almost uh, in terms of its ability to actually exploit inefficiencies in the market given like the access to the information. Yeah, so I, 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 now, now I see that you come from the financial uh, studies. So I, I, I agree. I mean, when I started um, learning about NFTs, the first idea uh, I came up with uh, was how to do algo trading uh, in, in on the blockchain. I think like it's it's something that could be really amazing. Um, but I don't have, like, for example, I don't have uh, a, an idea of how to implement something more sophisticated than uh, than arbitrage at the moment. But but I do think that like you can find a lot of um, trends that a human won't be able to find using uh, neural networks on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 where it it it, it fascinates me, right? Because we humans cannot process data and cannot draw connections, uh, invisible connections in the AI and, and algorithm can. So it, yeah, it's, uh, it's really fascinating in a way that, you know, it can be utopic or dystopic. And that's usually the case with any sort of high impact technology. Yeah. So it, it's, it's really, really going to be interesting to see how, how that, how that plays out. Cool. Uh, Cypher, I think, it sort of covers it and uh, it, it's it's been really interesting 
sort of hearing how you think from from the AI machine learning perspective and also what you guys are up to at uh, Animatus. So thanks for coming on. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks.